What's going on, everybody? Hardest part of the ring is back. He's black. I'm not black, but I am back. And better than ever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm running out of ways to like introduce myself. I need like, Howard Finkel to introduce me or something. But anyways, today is a special day. King of the Ring 19... 94. Am I yelling? I'm sorry. Am I am I loud? I feel like I'm yelling. Um <laughs> anyways. This podcast, 1994 King of the Ring, is uh pretty fresh off the heels off of my King of the Ring 2001 episode, which dropped a few weeks ago. I did not plan for that. That is just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But whatever the case may be, really, really fun show today. I had a very special guest in joining me in reviewing King of the Ring 1994. His name is James, and he has a podcast called That 90s Wrestling Podcast. He's a, he's a guy from the UK, um, and obviously from his podcast name, he does a lot of 90s wrestling reviews on his show. Uh, really entertaining podcast. I strongly recommend you give him a little subscribe ski. Um, does a lot of interviews too. I know I was talking to him, which I may or may not leave on this episode, but he was basically thinking about rebranding the name of his podcast because he's been doing so many really high caliber interviews recently. Uh, most notably, the ones at least I'm aware of are the ones he did with Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion, and Nick Aldis, the NWA World's Champion. So he was able to interview those type of wrestlers among others so that speaks to you know how well he's respected in this uh weird little pod wrestling podcast niche that we're in so definitely a good follow there a good subscribe and uh definitely recommend him i'll put all his info as always in the description of this podcast but you can find his podcast on anchor and spotify and uh you can follow him on twitter at 90s wrestling pod uh super cool dude really enjoyed talking shit about him not about him talking shit with <laughs> freudian slip talking shit with him about uh king of the ring 1994 because man there is a lot of silly silly shit that happened on this show man 1994 we we are deep deep into the new generation era um, well, just, I guess kind of just starting it. Right. But man, this, uh, mid nineties <laughs> WWF is a little rough ski. I will say, cause I usually, you know, for my attitude era episodes, I've mentioned this before, but I, I watch all the raws and the smackdowns leading up to it to get proper context and to maximize my enjoyment of those shows. So I figure, yeah, why not try it? with 1994 so i watched i've never watched a raw from 1994 before and man is it not what i'm used to <laughs> very short episodes a lot of squashes a lot of um you know king's court jerry the king lawler's little interview segment is on pretty much every episode that i watched and i watched every episode in between wrestlemania and this show that we're going to cover today. So don't know if that was completely necessary because really ultimately the only storylines you got going 
are the world title storyline with Bret Hart and Diesel. And then you also got uh, Jerry the King Lawler going one-on-one with Rowdy Roddy Piper in the main event. So aside from that, you got, you know, King of the Ring tournament matches. So like I said, like I've said before, tournament, easy narrative, clear stakes. I'm a big, big tournament guy for those very reasons. So at the, you know, when you take that at face value, you're like, okay, King of the Ring might be a pretty good show then. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's debatable. But uh, yeah, like I said, man, King of the Ring 1994 uh, took place on June 19th, 1994 um, from the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, gotta, you got to remember, we're about two, two and a half months after WrestleMania. This is the first pay-per-view since Mania. And if you did not catch my WrestleMania 10 slash WrestleMania X episode that I released a few weeks ago, I would suggest you go check that out. It was uh, probably one of my favorite episodes that I've done. Um, and it really began the journey that I'm taking here through the mid-90s and the 90s wrestling war between WWF and WCW and kind of tangentially ECW. So... Really good stuff from WrestleMania 10. Well, there was some good stuff. <laughs> you got Brett winning the title um, and also the ongoing feud between Brett and Owen Hart. So that, you know, as we go through these mid-90s, that's really the main... That's that's by far the best content that we're, that we're seeing out of these shows. And little seeds are planted on this King of the Rings show for that feud, although they don't directly come into contact with each other. So, like I said, we're about two months from Mania. Brett's the champion. Um, Owen Hart is still pissed that he beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania, and yet Brett is the one that walked out with the title. So, Brett is champ, and he is defending his title against Diesel, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, on this show. And to give you some context on their rivalry... Diesel basically came out and was like, hey, because Diesel won the Intercontinental title from Razor Ramon on a house show. Um, This is, you know, remember after that, that first ever ladder match where Razor won the title, Diesel just comes out and just fucking beats him right after it. (laughs) But uh, for the context of the Diesel-Bret Hart rivalry, I'm going to lay it out for you. Diesel comes out, Intercontinental Championship on his shoulder. He's in King's Court in the middle of the ring. Jerry Lawler holds him the mic, asks him, what's next for Diesel? Diesel says, well, this Intercontinental Championship is pretty cool, but wouldn't it be even cooler if I was a WWF champion? Or however he talks. What well, I don't know. I do a bad Diesel. But that's basically the premise of why they're fighting. And uh, that's pretty much all you got to know about that. So, And one thing I do want to uh, lay out before we get into James and myself discussing this show is that this is really the beginning of the new generation era, as I mentioned earlier. And the reason I say it's the beginning is because they're just now formally calling it the new generation era because you got to remember June 19th, 1994. That's the date of this show, right? Eight days before this is when Hulk Hogan signed with WCW. So that's kind of the first shot in the war between these two companies, really. So 
Hogan, who obviously was a huge, huge focal point for the WWF, is now with WCW. So WWF now has to pivot. It's like, okay, we lost Hogan. Uh, Andre's not wrestling anymore. Macho Man is commentating. Um, you know, all these these figures that you saw in the late 80s, early 90s are gone now and and or are just not at the working at the capacity that they were. So they had to pivot. They had to change their direction. They had to change who is going to be on top. They had to decide who is going to hold the flag for the company because it's no longer Hulk Hogan. They, they were just able to rest on the laurels of Hulk Hogan's big, delicious shoulders for years. Now that he's gone, now they're panicking. Now, oh my God, who, who, what are we going to do? Who are we going to push? So now they just rebrand it all as a new generation era. And they show, we get into it, James and I do during our discussion, but they show a promo during the show and it's highlighting, it shows Hulk Hogan and Andre and Bruno and all a couple other guys in like a black and white, you know, filter, right? Basically illustrating the fact that they're old fucks, that they can't go anymore, and that you shouldn't be watching them wrestle. <laughs> and basically, they do all this. They say, Hogan, Hogan's old. He's over the hill. Now, please watch our main event. That is Jerry Lawler versus Roddy Piper. So, yeah, obviously very hypocritical, but they got to do what they got to do. And it's a very interesting branding strategy that they're doing here because you know 1994 you got a lot of colors you got a lot of wacky characters you got a lot of you got trash men you got uh clowns you got police officers you got mounties you got all these silly horse shit characters that really turned off a lot of fans during this era you see that a lot and ultimately i think that might have hurt the show a little bit because um, the matches, the match quality was not super great. Um, and a lot of that is just you know, from the King of the Ring tournament. You know, They have eight guys in the tournament going into this pay-per-view. So they got a lot of matches to go through. So not you don't see a lot of long matches outside of the WWF title match and the main event. So, And then in those matches, you, got, you have Diesel, who has a torn groin... And you have fucking Roddy Piper who has just stepped out of his acting trailer to wrestle a match. And, you know, Jerry the King Lawler who is not just over the hill, but he's under the hill. So kind of a, a weird show when you look at it with that perspective. But you see some good shit. You see Owen Hart versus X-Pac. You see uh, Jeff Jarrett doing some of his, <laughs> his hilarious stuff early in his career. Um, and I'll, ultimately, if I had to point to one thing that I loved about this show... It'd be Art fucking Donovan. <laughs> if you're not aware, Art Donovan is a former Baltimore Raven. I think he was a linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. And who knows when the fuck he played. All I know, it was a long time before 1994. Because he, he, is, a, he is an old fuck. <laughs> but, and not only... So I guess, I mean, we like I said... I don't want to step on the toes of us because we, we talked about this in this episode, but they basically brought him in for a local flavor, although the crowd in attendance can't hear him. And boy, howdy, does Art Donovan not know a goddamn thing about wrestling. <laughs> so that might have been my favorite part of the show is his little quips and quirps all throughout the show. But we'll get into that. I've rambled long enough as it is. 
Here it is, King of the Ring 1994, a sweet, delicious review with myself and James from that 90s wrestling podcast. But it's like, it's on this podcast. Um, first of all, thank you for joining me on this. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I've seen you, yeah, you've, you've had some big, big guests yourself, so I know you're a big deal in town. Um, no, uh, like I've just started this like recently, like two months ago, and I've just been more than anything, it's just been pure dumb luck. I've been able to get like some people on. Uh, yeah. Working out quite well up to now. <laughs> <laughs> do you like know anybody in the business, or do you just reach out and oh, are willing to do interviews? Nobody. No, I said, well, um, <clears throat> there's one lad. He, he was my co-host, but he's uh, kind of doing these. Uh, he he's just at a new job, so he's gonna be really busy. So I'm basically riding solo. It's weird because, uh, like, my um, my original intent, like, uh, when I was doing the podcast. So there's a podcast that I listen to called OSW Review, and uh, mm-hmm. I love them. And they started off at WrestleMania One. It's like these three guys from Ireland, and. Um, I've, and I loved them, and I've messaged a guy a couple of times. I'm like, I love your show. So I've tried. I've thought of no end of times, like what type of gimmick should I do? So I just thought that 90s wrestling podcast. And um, but yeah, I just had a craving for like uh, trying to get interviews, and uh, I've just been lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really encouraging though to, s- to see that people are so willing. I guess a lot of people out there aren't wrestling like as as often as they would be. So maybe they have more free time. I don't know what it is, but that's awesome to hear, man. I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see you. Uh, having a lot of success even early on yeah it's uh i've got some pretty big ones coming out soon so uh, i'm excited <laughs> oh yeah like who well let me get the scoop yeah uh, so uh last night i interviewed uh, nikita koloff um wow. yeah um like uh some fans might like know him but like in the late 80s nwa he was like one of the top guys working with flair and uh, dusty Rhodes. and uh in the early 90s when wcw first started he was there uh interviewed him last night i've just interviewed uh eric young from impact wrestling of it i interviewed him like yeah i interviewed him literally like two hours ago <laughs> uh really? yeah nice guy uh that my impact interviews i'm only allowed 20 minutes which is a bit of a bummer um i would love to interview him long kick because it's like it's eric young like you know he's been in re- he's been wrestling for like nearly 20 years how am i supposed to fit 20 years of you know of a career right. in like, 20 minutes uh, it's impossible so um and uh who else have i got oh uh do you watch nwa i do yes uh nick Aldis has just replied to me the world champion he wants to come on that's awesome yeah i love nick Aldis. he's probably one of my favorites yeah and, the, that's going on right now yeah and like being a fellow englishman like you know he's he's my guy him of and like course. uh so and uh she's just got back to me um diana hart brett hart's sister david boy smith's wife ex well i suppose widow mm-hmm. uh so she wants to come wow. on so um it, they're coming on, but uh, the thing is, it's making connections because Nikita Koloff, he's uh, best friends with uh, Lex Luger. And I said, oh, would you mind talking to him? He's like, yeah, I'm sure you'll come on. And I'm like, oh, my God, the total package is coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really interesting. I never, I never, wouldn't have thought it would have been that easy, but I guess the barriers to entry are so low nowadays. You can really just talk to anybody on Twitter <laughs> or wherever it is. Yeah, it's uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> I said to my girls, I said I feel like a prostitute because I've messaged so many people. <laughs> Please come on my show, and I mean, I've messaged. Uh, 
it's not tip. I mean, I've had a few people's and a few people that's going to be on the show tonight who's actually got back to me and said, I'm sorry, but I'm busy. Uh, but I've had like, I mean, I've had no end of people just ignore me, but it's just yeah. being best friends. Worst thing they can do is like say no or just ignore you. And all you can do is just keep messaging. But uh, it's encouraging because like I've got no connections to the rest of the world at all. So um, yeah. Right. Well, that's how it's come about. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you get, you had Eric Young for 20 minutes, but you have the hardest part of the ring for as long as you like. So, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, might as well. So I ask when I have people on this show, I, I like to ask them. So King of the Ring 1994, were you actively watching at this time? Um, I tell you what it is. Um, so growing up, like in the uk um like my family in particular we never had a sky grown up and that's what you needed to watch like wwf so well uh well it is uh my father used to be a wrestling fan and he used to have like the video cassette tapes uh, lying about and the first show like uh the first video tape i remember watching and um, funny enough i just reviewed it a few weeks ago was royal rumble 91 uh which i loved and that basically got me hooked so since then it was like trying to find whatever videotapes i can and sometimes i would be it'd be 1995 but i'll still be watching 1990 stuff grabbing them tapes for the first time but then uh you know i'll be catching up to you know what time we was in um but Mm -hmm. new generation era like a lot of people shits on it and you know i don't blame you got mantor and things like that but there's a lot of good stuff in New Generation. You got Owen Hart, which obviously tonight we'll see. That's his Corona moment, I suppose. Yeah. Brett, Razor, Sean, Diesel, Wanted Free Kid. These are my guys growing up. So, um, yeah. So, whatever wrestling I could get in my life, I would just watch it. And New Generation era, I have got like fun memories of it. So, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, was, I wasn't born until 93. So, I yeah. obviously wasn't watching this live. Um, and I grew up in the Attitude Era, so I was yeah. pretty much thrown right in there to the to the <laughs> shit of it. So I, I never really went back. I've seen a few matches here and there from this era and some highlights, um, but I've never. This is actually the first show um, other than WrestleMania 10, which I did an episode of that a few weeks ago. Uh, but I haven't really sat back and just watched these new generation shows from start to finish. Um, so it's really interesting, just ha- the production and how that's different, the, yeah. the characters. I mean, because I watched, I even watched the Rawls leading up to this. So, yeah. all the Rawls in between uh, WrestleMania and this show, which, first of all, I like how back then there was only, you know, a handful of pay per views a year. You had you know, your four tent poles and then maybe another one here and there, which in this case we have King of the Ring. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that as far as like, because nowadays obviously we get at least once, one a month from just WWE alone. Yeah. Um, did, did, did you prefer it? Back then, how they only had a limited amount? I kind of do. Because, um, I mean, uh, the thing was as well back then, well, especially before uh, the uh, Raw days in 93, uh, they had a lot more time to build up storylines, I suppose. Um, but when you look at, like, tonight, and, uh, like, you've only got five pay-per-views a year, and, um, like, it started in 93, like, when they brought King of the Ring as an actual pay-per-view. Uh, mm-hmm. From... Survivor Series uh, 93, yeah, Survivor Series 93, all the way up to this show, and then SummerSlam uh, following this, you had a big epic storyline being built between uh, Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Uh, and mm-hmm. like in that space of like from November to, say, August the following year, 
there's, you know, what did you have? You had like obviously Survivor Series, Rumble, Mania, King of the Ring, and then SummerSlam. So five, uh, yeah, near enough like four or five pay per views. And I don't think they could tell that same story had there been like even the in your houses in between, because it'd be like, what, what do we do with them on these pay per views? Like to keep them apart from each other. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I do think um, six pay-per-views would be enough like one every couple of months i reckon that'd be a good uh way to do it but sometimes uh, we do get split with too many pay-per-views and with that there's too much short-term booking which i hate um i love long-term storylines and funny enough uh seth rollins came out of it the other day they said fans don't enjoy long-term story uh, storylines and they've got the patience for it which <laughs> is entirely true um but it's just yeah. you know a lot of fans has got short attention spans. Sometimes I could be guilty of it myself, but yeah, I prefer like limited pay per views myself. I agree. Yeah, the the limited amount of pay per views made everything feel like uh, like an attraction. You know, you didn't yeah. see even on Raws, you wouldn't see the same people every week. You would see a handful of people because the shows were only an hour. Yeah, um, and most of the matches were squashes anyways, so you wouldn't see a lot of uh, big time matches or huge storyline implications on the weekly TV show. So you really when when those things happen, when those big matches happened, it felt like a like a big deal. And you know, nowadays you you get these main event, these pay per view caliber matches every week, at least one on a three hour show. Mine just one show. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many hours does WWE do a week? At least like ten. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest gripes is that every week you get like three or four 20 minute matches and you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Like I've always said, you know, your Raws and your Smackdowns they should be used to build up your storylines and build up your matches for the pay-per-views. But I just get, it's like, um, I'm not the big, I, I know everyone loves NXT. I watch I watch the takeovers, but I can't watch the shows because it's just match after match after match. And it sounds weird because it's like, well, that's wrestling. I'm like, yeah, obviously. And my favorite wrestler of all time, Bret Hart, it wasn't really known for his promos. He was just in ring. But I like storylines, I like promos, I like characters, and um, unfortunately, a lot of wrestling companies don't seem to have that, and it's just like, everyone wrestles the same, it's, you know, dives and flips these days, I can't watch AEW at all, I've tried, (laughs) but it's not for me. Yeah, it caters to a specific, it caters to the Dave Meltzers and the, um, just the internet wrestling fans in general who want an epic five-star match. Yeah. On every match and no, no, especially in like in this era where there's no crowds, you have that opportunity to where you can do like pre-tape stuff. You can do yeah. more interviews, more like documentary style kind of, hey, what's this guy's backstory? They do it a little bit. I like NXT. NXT and AEW do it much more than Raw and SmackDown, of course. But yeah, um, like they did one on Bronson Reed. I think it was last week or maybe the week before. It was just like a like a whatever, like a two, three minute segment. But it kind of went into his backstory and kind of. Gave you like a sense of who this guy is and why we should care about him. And it allowed the viewer to associate a personality and a character to the to the face rather than just a guy that goes in there and does these select moves and now we're supposed to care. So I like how they're doing that a little bit, but I do wish they would do it a little bit more often, especially in this time period. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing... Uh... WWE did take advantage of during his time was start using the uh, cinematic matches. 
Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't. They yeah. wouldn't have really been able to do them had there been like crowds, especially at like WrestleMania. Uh, had there been a crowd at Mania, we wouldn't have got the Boneyard match, and that was a great match. And uh, it's something different because um, I was speaking to um, Thunder Rosa the other week, and uh, she started out in the Lucha Underground pretty much. And that was one of their gimmicks, Lucha Underground. It was like these cinematic feels like uh, for the promos and like backstage segments. And it was something I enjoyed. I thought this won't be too bad in it. And uh, it's just something different. And uh, I've enjoyed them up to now. Like the Cena against Wyatt at Mania. I enjoyed that. Uh, the Money in the Bank, mm-hmm. for what it was, it was a fun match till the end. They gave the briefcase to the Hilarious. wrong person. Um, yeah, yeah. But that that story's not like I said. That story's not finished yet uh, with Otis and the Money in the Bank. He might end up losing it to someone, so you can't judge it just yet. But um, yeah, like this uh, COVID era, it's like um, Impact is doing Wrestle House. Uh, it's not going to suit everyone, but yeah. it's just a little bit of fun, and uh, that's what that's what wrestling's missing. To be honest, a bit of fun and a bit of variety. But when I look at matches, they're all the same. And that's why I've turned off it a little bit. <laughs> Especially because, you know, with no crowd, it's almost like this period is almost like uh, it's like a fever dream. Like yeah. Things don't really matter in the long yeah. term right now. And I think just having more, just having a lot of wrestling, a lot of in-ring wrestling is just not an efficient use of their time now. And I think they're not looking towards the long term, as you said. I think it's a lot of short term across all companies. Um. It would have been a perfect yeah. time for him just to just call it off for a season and just come up with some good storylines. <laughs> just have a couple of months yeah, off. Yeah. Um, Vince that, that was one of the first things I said is because like when, when when like WrestleMania, because this yeah. all happened right before WrestleMania, and I was like, yeah. hey, why don't we just take a break until next WrestleMania and then just continue the build as if you know it was what it was. But yeah, it's um, that there's yeah. what. Yeah, that they should have had a break, I suppose. And what they could have done was just have these wrestlers, like have it as like a reality show, just have these wrestlers at home and just explaining what it's like to be at home and like struggling to get places to start training and all things like that. Uh, it would have made it interesting, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's uh, wrestling these days, I suppose. Uh, you know, uh, they had to keep the show going one way or another, but uh, hopefully, um, everything passes over soon and uh. The fans missing does make a big difference. I didn't realize how much of a difference it makes, but it really does make a difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost... I'm glad they at least added some bodies out there to make some noise because it was almost unwatchable yeah. with uh, with zero people in there. It was just, uh, yeah, bizarre. But um, that's kind of why I like, I like doing this podcast because I revisit older shows. Yeah. And uh, so in 2020, I can watch wrestling with... Uh, with a crowd and uh, significantly more fun <laughs> yeah. watching with a crowd. But yeah, I mean, we might as well just dive right into it. Cool. Uh, King of the ring, 1994. Uh, this happened on June 19th, 1994 from Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, so this is fresh off of WrestleMania 10, which happened, uh, I guess it was like three months ago or so. Um, so they're still building up, you know, Bret Hart's a new WWF champion, uh, Razor Ramon, won the Intercontinental Championship in the first ever ladder match, um, at least televised. And then um, that was pretty much the main points of uh, WrestleMania, I guess. But uh, And then you have Owen Hart there who beat Brett at that show. Um, but Brett ended up walking out with the title. So that kind of planted seeds for the 
the resentment that already existed between those two. And that's like, we were talking about long-term storyline and that, that keeps going on through this show. Um, but we'll get to that a little later. So, so yeah, show opens up, has a chalkboard with like a, like some brackets on it. Yeah. Um, and just to set the stage. So the, uh, the King of the ring, this is the, uh, there's eight people left in the tournament. Um, so there's a uh, quarterfinals, semifinals and finals. Um, and so it's pretty much all the competitors arguing in front of a chalkboard, open the show. Um, then comes the star spangled banner by, uh, I guess, I think his name is Ricky Medlock, who is the lead singer of Blackfoot. Uh, so James, what's your favorite Blackfoot song? Uh, I was going to ask you because I had no idea. He didn't sing it too bad, but I, was, <laughs> I had no idea this guy was a, or Blackfoot, so I had no idea it was. <laughs> I, I had no idea either. I'm glad. You I didn't know if that was a generational thing or what. I guess yeah. this guy was in Led Zeppelin later in his career. Oh, um, cool. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's the extent of knowledge that I know about uh, Ricky Medlock. But Yeah, the one thing I did know was after this first uh, Star Swangle uh, banner, like we saw uh, Gorilla Macho, and then I realized I thought, "Oh crap! This is the uh, this is the uh, pay per view without Donovan." And a big smile went on my face because the best <laughs> part of the show, constant yeah. entertainment. <laughs> he was just like, "We'll get fair." It was like, "How much does this guy weigh?" <laughs> every match, at least, yeah. I, I would I would bet he asked that about almost everybody on the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who's the guy? I mean, we'll get into. It. We could do literally a whole show, a two-hour-long show about funny things that Art Donovan said on this show. Um, clearly, <laughs> I guess he was a linebacker for the Baltimore Colts, so I guess they threw him in there for, I guess, he, for a local flavor of some sort. I don't know why they thought the viewers at home were going to care about Art Donovan. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could understand why. He- for example, local, like boy, the fans and attendance spots thinking, I've never heard of this guy. And like, I can't imagine many, many people probably did, but I had no idea it was. But um, the things, uh, but the, <laughs> what made me laugh, uh, he said that Razor Ramon was his pick to win the, uh, win the thing. But then yeah. when Razor actually came out, like, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he ever caught his name either. I think he just, he was the first guy he saw and he was like, hey, yep, I'm picking him. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly hasn't watched any wrestling in his life, but no. provided uh, some sort of entertainment. I don't think it was the entertainment that they were going for, uh, but it kept me uh, at least listening to the oh, show. Then yeah. um, you have uh, Macho Man and Gorilla Monsoon. Man, what a crew at the commentary table. <laughs> what a cast of characters. Um, a little tidbit here. Vince McMahon was the play-by-play leading up to this show, but I guess he herniated a disc like a week before the show. Right. Uh, so Gorilla Monsoon was a last minute replacement. I, I, I believe Vince wasn't even there doing any production or anything. Um, so it was definitely a, a different feel to the show. Yeah. Gorilla, he's well, Gorilla and Heenan, I've always said it's always been my favorite, like uh, commentary duo. So um, mm-hmm. to see Gorilla on the show was nice. And uh, I don't know if Bobby Heenan was gone by this point, uh, but we had Macho Man on commentary. So I'm like, yeah, that'll do me. <laughs> <laughs> Macho Man is probably my favorite commentator of all time. I've never heard him on commentary until I was watching the Rawls yeah. uh, leading up to this show. And he's by far the best part of every show. He's just 
supremely entertaining. I, and he's like really smooth on comment- commentary too. He's not like, cause he's entertaining, but he also is like cognizant of like talking about what's going on in the ring and getting these guys over. So I think he's the perfect blend. In yeah. My opinion. And then uh, another aspect of this show is the stage. Um, I really miss like uh show specific stages. Yeah. I had the little, uh, the doors there with the jesters or whatever you call them opening the doors for everybody. I thought that added a, uh, a unique element to the show and made it feel like uh, not just another Raw, which yeah. is something that uh, I think the current product could learn from. Yeah, the uh, today's screens, um, I've got a bad habit doing this on my show. I always compare like, these shows to like, the current shows. Um, to, mm-hmm. to the, everything like with today's stages, they're just all the same. <laughs> it's just big, you know, yeah. big, big screen. I know they've tried to change the sets up a little bit with the new SmackDown and Raw sets, which I, you know, which thankfully they've managed to change something a little bit different. But even like every pay per view is the same set, every one. And uh, not the WrestleMania just gone, but the one beforehand, it was the laziest set. All it was was just this big, like, HD screen. I'm like, I don't, yeah. you know, it's just terrible <laughs> and they, I think they only done it for Triple H because he had like this badass entrance besides that it was a crap <laughs> but um, but yeah these are in the new generation era I used to, uh, and I think they started in, in like 92 and it was uh, I used to love the little uh, screen they did have when it was like these 12 like for example massive TVs like lined up against each other and each screen like individually mm-hmm. would just start changing like from the picture of like the specific wrestler to like their actual logo and I do miss that because I love all this nostalgia stuff. Oh yeah, same here. I think uh, I guess NXT did that a little bit with their uh, their inner house yeah. setup. I guess it was a few months ago at this point. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope they go back to that. I guess maybe it's logistically, maybe it's not the easiest thing to do. But so yeah, the the first match here we have Bam Bam Bigelow versus Razor Ramon as uh, a quarterfinal match of the King of the Ring tournament. Um, this match is. Okay, it was a serviceable opener. Um, I did kind of get the impression that they were pacing themselves a little bit, um, or at least, I guess, Razor, because he's the one that ultimately ended up winning. Um, But yeah, I feel like they were saving um, what they could do for later in the show. Um, Bam Bam is a guy I I haven't really watched a lot of his work because he was a little bit before my time, but I was uh, really impressed with him. He's super athletic uh, for a guy his size, even back then. Um, cause in my mind, it's like that, that's like a new concept of yeah. uh, big guys being athletic, but you go back and watch this stuff with Bam Bam and he's uh, doing some really, um, really crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, ultimately Bam Bam goes for a moonsault on the Razor Ramon, but Razor gets up and, uh, pretty much slams him down from the top turnbuckle with a power bomb for the win. Uh, like I said, it was an okay opener, but nothing too crazy. What did you think? Yeah, it was all right. Uh, everything you just explained it pretty well. It was all good. And uh, uh, Donovan, one of his uh, <laughs> first uh, sayings he had, he was asking, why is that girl screaming at? And uh, Matchman had to try and explain, <laughs> well, she's with um, <laughs> Bam Bam. Oh, no, I see it. <laughs> so that was the first uh, one of the night from uh, Donovan. But, uh, yeah, it was a good match. Uh, Bam Bam, one of the best big men in the history. And uh, Razor, um good win for him making him strong and uh yeah uh was serviceable match just like you said but obviously you know uh razor's gonna carry him wrestling a couple more matches so uh i suppose he can only uh pace himself uh one of the parts as well i noticed bam bam had uh razor ramon in the torture rack 
And uh, uh, Donovan was like, mm. is he dead? Oh, and Gorilla's like, oh no, <laughs> I thought that guy was dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he kept me entertained. <laughs> One of my favorite things of this show is Art Donovan. So they're like trying to like bring him into the fold. Gorilla <laughs> yeah. and Macho are in the beginning. They're like responding to what he's saying. They're like making football analogies to try to get him involved. Um, but they quickly learn that it is just a lost cause. And it, at some point, it's yeah. like pretty early in the show, they just like start ignoring everything yeah. he's saying. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> but yeah, so Razor gets the win here. Pretty good match. Uh, we go backstage for a uh, terrible promo with Mabel and IRS. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember what they said. It just I, They both looked really uncomfortable. And I'm watching this and I'm like, man, can't get any worse than that. And then they actually have a match. And, and then uh, I will say I do love IRS, how he has no entrance music. He just literally walks out and his music is him talking shit to the audience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was really funny. It's a silly character, but that's, I mean, the WWF is filled with them at this time. So, um, and then Art Donovan with a, is he one of the wrestlers? He looks like a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, or that's the idea, I think. So, yeah, the match itself was, uh, I mean, you look at this on paper and you know what it's going to be. So, fairly short, maybe like four or five minutes. Uh, but ultimately, the finish comes when Mabel is on the second rope. IRS shakes him off. Uh, so Mabel falls to the mat and then IRS hooks the leg with one arm and hooks the ropes with another arm. Kind of a weird looking pin there at the end, but IRS gets the win over Mabel. Uh, do you enjoy this match? No, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Cause like back in like the early days, uh, Mike Rotunda, uh, IRS, which somehow he seed gave birth to the uh, fiend which is weird <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird because like, when he first started out in his heyday, like, he was actually a decent wrestler. And I suppose he was technically sound, I suppose. But like with Mabel, there's only so much he can do. But IRS is one there. My counter is a sweaty wrestler because he's got the Shane McMahon factor. He always seems to sweat a lot yeah. in his practice. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just... Yeah, just very forgettable match. Not great. And just got the job done getting the IRS set up for his next match, I suppose. Yeah, the, the white dress shirt does not help matters when it comes no. to his sweat. Because it is like right away, you can it's a see-through shirt. Yeah. But after that, we get something a little bit better. We have Tataka versus Owen Hart. Uh, again, pretty short. All these King of the Ring quarterfinal matches. I guess all the matches in the tournament are pretty short. Yeah. Um, but for what it was... I mean, any Owen Hart match is going to be at least okay. Um, and I haven't really seen a lot of Tatanka in my life um, other than when he like randomly popped up in like 2005 on SmackDown or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, pretty good, pretty solid match. Uh, Tatanka had a really hot comeback. I think the crowd is really into it. Looked really snug and stiff, uh, but ultimately Owen Hart. Uh, so Tatanka goes for a sunset flip. But Owen reverses by just dropping to his knees and uh, getting a pinfall there. Pretty similar to how he beat Brett at WrestleMania. So Owen Hart gets the win here and moves on. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed this match. And uh, growing up, I loved Tatanka as a kid. And uh, 
Well, in this, uh, you, I don't know if you realised, um, it depends if you watch these earlier stuff. And you used to always have like a bit of a red kind of mohawk. Um, mm-hmm. But I know during this time, he stopped dyeing it because his hair was literally falling out of his head. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of the reasons why he stopped dyeing his hair. Uh, but yeah, sold enough merch. Um, Tatanka was always a pretty good baby face. I always enjoyed his work. And uh, Owen Hart's Owen Hart. So it uh, made for a good combination. And uh put Owen over strong so um yeah it really really did uh, did actually enjoy this quite a lot yeah Tatanka had a pretty long winning streak when he came in didn't he yeah that's right um he um he was originally booked as well believe it or not to beat uh Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 9 for the IC title um mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels wasn't happy with that. I actually messaged uh, Tatanka privately this was a couple of years ago and I'm and I always had room with that <laughs> he was meant to win the title and I said was it true then? He went, yeah, it was true, but Sean changed it. I was like, that bastard. <laughs> so, that is hilarious that nowadays you can literally just message a guy like, hey, this thing oh, that yeah. happened 30 years ago. Is this true? Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't messaged him for a couple of years, but I would love to get him on my show. Because, um, like I said, New Generation era, there were so many story like, like backstage stories. I had um, this random guy, uh, like random New Generation star, uh, Duke the Dumpster Drossy on a few weeks back and mm-hmm. the stories like he could tell me it was great uh, so I loved speaking to him but um, yeah um, Tadanka like, had a long winning streak and uh, eventually he lost to like uh, Ludwig Borger uh, he was like this uh, wrestler from Finland and the plan was that mm-hmm. this Borger was got this big feud against Lex Luger but uh, <laughs> Borger wasn't that great in the ring. Neither was Lex, I suppose. So they decided to scrap it. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my favorite Lud- Ludwig Borger story is, I think he was uh, when he was getting signed initially. I guess he was with Jim Ross, and he, <laughs> he had to show like his body because they had to make sure he didn't have any like t- tattoos or anything, any crazy tattoos. <laughs> and Borger yeah. had literally like a I forget what it was. It wasn't a swastika, but it was something that was similar. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, it was like, like I said, I don't know if it's supposed to get, but I know it's some form of a Nazi symbol. I think it was on his like his leg or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, yeah, crazy. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I guess you just throw long tights on that guy, and uh, I guess it didn't pan out. Whatever it was, but (laughs) man, Ludwig Borga, what a guy! You should get him (laughs) on your show. Or is he still alive? Um. I don't know. I think he is actually. I think he might be some form of a politician there or something like that. So uh, I think he might be still alive. So we'll have to have a look for him, uh, try and scour the internet for him. (laughs) (laughs) I would not have pegged him as a politician, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I'm sure that's it's one thing like that. I'm I'm sure he is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, after that match, so we have Owen Hart winning, moving on. Uh, Goes backstage uh, with uh, Todd Pettengill interviewing uh, Sean Michaels and Diesel, um, yeah. kind of a whatever promo, but you can kind of, I, I noted this cause it was funny how, how much of a departure Diesel or Kevin Nash was at this point on the mic from what he would be a mere, like a, two years later with the NWO. It was funny to see him in his early stages. He had a, he had a weird accent. Yeah. Um, it just kind of seemed nervous or I don't know what it was. Yeah. What my favorite part as well. I've got two words for you, Brett, Jack, Knife. In my opinion, I'm thinking, uh, that's one word, Kevin. <laughs> so, no, there's a pause in between. It's two. 
Yeah, <laughs> he hyphenated it, but um, but yeah, um, he had such a weird accent. I think he still had a little bit of Vinnie Vegas in him. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was like he's trying to sound like Razor Ramon at this yeah. point, or it was like that. Uh, I don't know if it's like a Florida accent or what it is. Yeah, and even uh, Sean as well fluffed his lines a little bit, uh, which was weird because uh, he never does uh, when you think about it. But yeah, it was a bit of a weird promo, and uh, I enjoy seeing Todd Pettengill because I used to love Todd Pettengill growing up, so uh, it's always good to see him on the TV screen. Yeah, Todd was before my time, but in watching the Raws leading up to this and the show itself, I really he was definitely a likable guy, and I think he did a good job like tying everything together. Yeah. So yeah, what we got after that? Jeff Jarrett. Versus the one, two, three kid. Um, I hate Jeff Jarrett. I, I always have. I don't know what it is. You're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I guess. I yeah. guess. But uh, um, m- mainly his hair. His hair and his attire. Just yeah. instant heat with me. J E double R E double T E. I love it. I agree. I actually emailed him to come onto the show and he was gracious enough to respond to me. And he said, I'm sorry, James, I, I'm not doing podcasts at the minute, but he said maybe in the future. So uh, I would have loved to have got him on the show. <laughs> oh man, that would have been, is he, is he with WWE still or is he furloughed? Do you know? I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I I didn't see his name get listed with the furloughs, so I presume he's still in yeah. there, like some form of capacity as a producer. So hopefully, um, hopefully all the guys that's been furloughed, like um, Finley and that's all been brought back as well. Um, hopefully as well. But oh, yeah. um, he would have been a great interview, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't to be. But yeah, Jeff Jarrett. Um, I suppose you you supposed to hate him. That's the thing. But yeah, he's a attire. I'm not surprised you don't. I'm not surprised that you hate them. <laughs> this is like a bootleg stripper mixed with like uh, I, don't, I don't even know what that hair is. It looks like a wig. It looks like a female wig. Yeah, um, and especially for you as well. Like uh, you saying you first started watching during the Attitude Era, and he had like the short buzz cut. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so to see him like during these days, it, it, you must have thought it was like two completely different people. Dude, I didn't know this Jeff Jarrett existed until like, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Because like you said, yeah, I, I grew up and he had, you know, the tr- traditional tights and the guitar and the short hair and all that stuff. So that's who yeah. I thought Jeff Jarrett was. Yeah. And then obviously all the stuff in TNA or whatever. And that's who I thought he was. And then I <laughs> look, he yeah. has this, I don't even know what to call it. Other than just like a stripper, colorful, uh, it was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it really made me want uh, X Pac to kick his ass in this match because. Uh, so I guess it did what it was supposed to do. Who knows? But uh, yeah, uh, Donovan came out with another singer as well. Uh, these ga- these guys ain't as big as the as the other guys, and the uh, match was on. Yeah, but they're still big. <laughs> then the uh, one to three kid came out. He looks like a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> no he doesn't at no. all so i got no idea what he was saying but uh it's weird looking at one two three kid because he looks nothing like how he becomes like x-pack to me they look like two different people as well that goatee man i guess that makes yeah. a world of difference i know i look completely different without facial hair i'm the so. same i'm the same <laughs> i imagine um yeah man that'll add 20 years to you but as far as this match goes itself, another pretty short match. Um, one, two, three, kid ends up getting the win when he uh, counters a figure four 
from Jarrett into a small package, but then Jarrett uh, attacks him after the bell, hits him Memphis style. He attacks him with three pile drivers and some fist drops from the top rope. Um, so if you're keeping score at home, he tried to figure four and is strutting like, like Ric Flair. Yeah. Now he's trying to be Jerry Lawler. So <laughs> um, whatever the case may be, they, he kicks the shit out of one, two, three kid after the match. And it basically establishes like a open-ended, is he going to, he won the match, but is he going to be able to compete later tonight? So I guess that's what they're setting up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, one, two, three kid, uh, X-Pac, Sean Walton, whatever you want to call him. He was always a good hand in the ring and he was the measuring bar. Whenever they used to bring a new guy in, they would always put him in, put, uh, put him in with a one, two, three kid. And if, one, two, three kid couldn't get a good match out of you, and you had no uh, chance in the federation. And uh, Jeff Jarrett has always been technically sound, like he's always uh, been good. And uh, well, as you go through this um, timeline, uh, in your house too, him and Shawn Michaels has an amazing match for the IC title. Uh, but yeah, it was good. And um, Jarrett kept his heat afterwards, like hit him some pile drivers, like you said, and uh, still kept him strong and uh, made uh, one, two, three kid be a big underdog than what he actually was, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I guess it uh, did what they accomplished to do. Uh, so kid moves on and then it transitions into a new generation commercial. Yeah. Um, basically highlighting how guys like uh, it has like Hogan, Andre, I think Bruno and somebody else. Um. Do you, do you remember who? Because there was like four guys at the beginning in like black and white. Yeah, I found it quite ironic though, because it's like, you know, this is the new generation era, but yet the main event is between Roddy Piper and Jerry Lawler. <laughs> so, right, exactly. <laughs> and you got Macho Man on commentary. Yeah. So, so your, two, your two main eventers are like two stars from like the 80s, and this is supposed to be the new generation. So it's kind of defeating the purpose, really. <laughs> That's funny. I made that exact same note. So it's yeah. clear that it's like so obvious and it's funny that they have that, but they're basically like, I don't know if it's a shot at WCW because at this point, oh, it was, it was. Hogan is about to debut for WCW or I guess he's, he's probably signed, but I think he makes his like in-ring debut. I could be wrong on the timeline there, but maybe I think it's like in a month at Bash in the Beach. Yes. Right. Yeah. But yeah, just funny. Like you said, a show main evented by Jerry Lawler, and Roddy Piper, and after seeing a match like Mabel versus IRS, like, yeah, this is what we're putting out there. Watch our show. Yeah. Yeah, so from there, we go backstage to Bret Hart. Uh, I mean, Bret Hart was never a great no. promo, but I feel, I feel like everybody else on this show was so bad that he almost seemed okay here. Um, yeah. Even though he's kind of early on in his run. Yeah, and uh, one thing he did make me laugh, he said that, you know, he, he doesn't know if he could kick out of Diesel's uh, power bomb. Well, I'm thinking, well, come on, Brett, you're the world champion. Don't put yourself down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's trying to, you know, build up Diesel, which I can understand. Yeah. Um, he also said as well that he was, uh, what do you call it? Um, he's been a victim of uh, injustice before, but he won't let it uh, happen again. I'm thinking, yep, wait four years down the line, bro, at Survivor Series. <laughs> oh, man. I did not even catch that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, some, that's, some, that, that's long-term storytelling right there. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in this promo, it basically says that uh, in his match against Diesel, because Diesel's going to have Sean out there with him, so Brett's like, I'm going to have a family member ringside to neutralize Sean Michaels or whatever he said. Um, 
and then he comes out with Jim Neidhart. Um, had he been away from the company at this point? I meant to look that up, but do you know offhand? Yeah, uh, Anvil. He's, uh, after like him and Brett split up as a tag team and did Faye actually decided to push uh, Brett as a single star, Anvil was always in and out with the company. They tried him on commentary, didn't work out for him. They brought him back to uh, tag with Owen as the new foundation where they wore some MC Hammer pants. That didn't work out. <laughs> and he, he was always in and out. And like, uh, Stu Hart would always phone up uh, Bruce Pritchard and he'd be like, yeah, uh, have you got any job for the Rhino? Because he used to call Anvil the Rhino. And uh, yeah. they, they always said that Vince always loved uh, Stu. Rather, that's genuine. I've got no idea. But he would always try and bring Anvil back if he could. And, um, but yeah, so he was always in and out of the company. So I think during this time, he was, I would, I would say he was probably gone for at least a year during this time. So yeah, I suppose this was a bit of a surprise, him coming back. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That would make sense uh, as to why it's such a big deal. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, don't worry. Art, Don- Art Donovan is there once again. Oh, Who's yeah. the guy with him? Is he a wrestler? <laughs> yeah. And the other obsession that he was asking, uh, did he play football? And uh, I think, and uh, Anvil did actually play football growing up. And then he looked at Diesel. Well, what about that guy, Diesel? Did he see, is he a football player? And uh, I think Matt just said, oh, well, I think he could do whatever he wants to be. Ah, he looks like a football player. <laughs> I've, I've never. Shut I'm, the hell up, Art. <laughs> I've, 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 ne- I've tried to watch American football. I've never. Uh, I've never seen any seven-foot football players, though. <laughs> so uh, no. I think he was way off on that. Apparently, I think Kevin Ash was actually a basketball player growing up. So uh, he was way off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right on that one. Um, and speaking of Diesel, I love his entrance music. It's oh, literally man. just a horn over yeah. and over again. <laughs> it's like him and like Earthquake, his music would just be rumbling. And yeah, Doink the Clown had just generic circus music it was man that's what the times were i guess definitely this era. yeah there was a few i think um body sergeant slaughter even like for years before and it was just like you know the uh the drums like repeating themselves over and over so yeah this was uh <laughs> diesel did get a lot better music about a year later on <laughs> uh-huh yeah <laughs> um but yeah the match i think this was uh probably like a 20 minute plus match definitely yeah. At this point, it was uh, some waters that Diesel had not been in in his career yet, especially in a uh, WWF title match. Um, I did learn after watching the show that Diesel had a like a pulled groin or a torn groin or something like that in this match. Yeah, which I can't say that I noticed just watching it. But um, Brett targets the leg most of the match naturally. Then Diesel counters and attacks Brett's back. So it's kind of back. It kind of a slower match but towards the end it picked up a little bit uh diesel gets he he takes off the turnbuckle pad but ends up uh getting the tables turned on him when uh brett smacks his face on the turnbuckle and he's dazed and confused and then brett starts to fire up he's coming back uh sean tries to get in the ring but takes the most hilarious bump of this show he's like on so he's on the apron and he's like standing on the first rope Brett hits him with like a right hand and he goes like 10 feet in the air off the apron, like onto the barricade. 
He's uh, great at selling. And, um, yeah, it was a fun match, um, to be honest. Yeah, and Brett, like, uh, I've always had debate. Like, people always say Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time, but I've always said it's Brett because Brett actually made people look good. Shawn Michaels only cared about making himself look good. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, I, I never... Because I started watching after Brett was gone yeah. uh, from WWF, so I, I, haven't, I haven't really, I don't really have the context. I've just obviously, obviously seen a lot more of Sean. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming with uh, with that. But uh, this match ultimately, so the finish is uh, is a weird one. So Diesel hits the jackknife on uh, Bret Hart, but um, before that, Diesel had attacked Anvil on the outside. So. Jim's pissed, so he gets in and attacks Diesel, uh, leading to a disqualification. So the title doesn't change hands, even though uh, Diesel walks out with the win here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, pretty pretty long match, kind of slow for the most part. Uh, but I think it picked up towards the end, and it left um, some open ended possibilities for the story going forward. Yeah, and uh, uh, Donovan at the end said the referee stealing the belt. <laughs> <laughs> no art <laughs> so uh, but yeah it was a for what it was it was actually a good match and uh brett could uh well there you go diesel's still quite young into his wdf career so brett actually got a decent match out of him so uh yeah good job um made brett look a bit weak uh you know losing technically but uh i suppose that's mm-hmm. uh, brett's position they never really even though brett was uh, was a champion they never really trusted him with a belt to push him strong enough he always seemed he never seemed to be in the main event quite a lot as a champion kind of like the uh cm punk uh, when you think about it so um yeah, yeah. but yeah for what it was it was a good match yeah i think brett hart could take a broomstick to a pretty good match so yeah throwing diesel in there even though it's like a big match for him in his career i think putting him with bret hart was kind of an insurance policy um like i said a match can only be so bad with bret hart yeah and then uh so after that we have the semi-finals for the king of the ring tournament uh razor ramon versus irs just kind of a whatever match um and i was watching this match and i was thinking man it must be uncomfortable to wrestle in a tie. And then right as I thought that <laughs> razor just grabs IRS by the tie <laughs> and like flings him across the ring. Like, how does that not happen to him in every match? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it, uh, kind of an out of nowhere finish. Uh, razor just hits the razor's edge out of nowhere for the win and moves on to the finals. Uh, what'd you think of this match? Yeah. Same as you just pretty straightforward. Just, um, trying to get through the match quick and uh, just making Razor look strong. And uh, yeah, just uh, that's pretty much what it was, really. There wasn't much else you could say about it. So um, I think you summed up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Definitely still pacing himself, Razor is, for uh, his finals later in the night. Yeah. Um, then we pan over to backstage once again. Bret Hart is looking for Jim Neidhart. Uh, obviously very pissed. Uh, kind of just walks around for a little bit. Can't find him. Uh, then we go... To another area backstage uh, where Todd Pettengill is standing by says he says that he's he was prepared to interview one, two, three kid, but apparently nobody's heard from him, not even the doctors or who knows where he is. So I guess just selling his injuries from before from getting attacked by Jeff Jarrett after the match, which leads us right into the second semifinal match. Owen Hart versus one, two, three kid. Owen comes out. And then uh, one, two, three kids music starts. The music kind of just plays for a while with nobody coming out. They tease that he's not going to show up, that he won't be able to fight. 
Uh, but eventually he does. Crowd pops for him. Then the match gets started pretty quickly, pretty uh, pretty fast with uh, Owen Hart hitting a kid with a baseball slide before he even gets in the ring. Yeah. And uh, I think overall this match was probably the best on the show as far as, you know, per second, you know, as far as maximizing their minutes. Um, I would have liked to see these guys have a longer match. I don't know if they ever did. I'm sure they, they probably did because they were both with the WWF for a while at some point. But, um, yeah, like I said, really good match. Um, kid, uh, so Owen's on the outside towards the end. Uh, one, two, three, kid hits him with a tope over the top rope, throws Owen back in the ring. Um, and then he goes for a, one of my favorite spots of the whole show is he goes for a spinning heel kick. But then Owen just catches him in midair and hits him with the German suplex. Yeah, that's nice. That was. But he nice. made it look so. Yeah, definitely. Like he's a diamond in the rough. Owen yeah. Hart is. Um, you, you watch IRS before this, and now you see Owen Hart doing what he does. <laughs> definitely. Um, God. But um, but yeah. After that, he just locks on the sharpshooter on Kid, and Kid taps out, and then we have Owen Hart. Moving on to the finals to face Razor Ramon. Uh, what do you think about this match? Yeah, I love this match. Uh, I think uh, this is probably the best five-minute match you'll ever watch in, <laughs> in your wrestling oh, yeah. uh, fandom. Uh, great match, fast-paced. Uh, like you said, baseball slide to start things off. Then uh, Owen actually like dived through the ropes as well. And uh, like the suplexes mm-hmm. they were hitting, the belly to bellies, and, that, and the, uh, Owen with his enziguri, which I absolutely love. And... Um, the finish, uh, you know, just getting him in the chapter, and it was a really great match. And uh, I don't, it's weird, even though they was at the same time, I don't think they had too many singles matches, which is such a shame. Like, I would love to have seen these two, like, you know, battle each other for, like, say, the IC belt and things like that. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think they actually had too many matches against each other, and uh, which is a shame because after watching this match and it, it literally being about five minutes long, um, it makes you wonder why they didn't stick them together a lot more. I know they had a few tag matches in that, but there was never like a long uh, program between them. Yeah, I was, th- I was trying to think because I know because they did the DX versus the Nation, so I don't yeah. know if they had any interactions with that, or uh, maybe they just had a one-off match on Heat or something. Yeah, um, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, really good chemistry between these guys. Yeah. Then uh, so after that. We go backstage once again to Roddy Piper for some coked up <laughs> rambling. I don't know what this was. Uh, you, you, call, <laughs> you call him a cokehead as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't I do not do coke. I don't have a lot of cokehead friends, but I'm looking at Roddy Piper right here, and that guy's a cokehead. Yeah, uh, when, uh, like on our uh, podcast, we've got to the point now where he's started being a commentator for the, for the shows. And uh-huh. <laughs> he's a hilarious. And every time I say it to people, I'm like, I'm saying this out of love because I love Roddy Piper. But believe me, he was on the, uh, we call it charge over here. Like I've never touched him. Yeah, yeah. I'm very anti-drugs. I've never touched drugs in my life. But uh, but we've got like this all sorts of names and we call it charge as well. And I'm like, yeah, he's definitely been on the old charge oh. th- that, that night. But uh, it was a fun promo. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And you, you haven't got a clue what he's saying. He's just hilarious. They picked this fun movie. You could have picked this movie. But yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed one thing I did kind of notice. I don't know if you would agree with this or not. 
I can definitely see some similarities between Roddy Piper and John Moxley. I think I think it's clear that Piper was a huge influence in his in uh, Moxley's career. Yeah, um, I remember when uh, when he first debuted with Shield, and um, a lot of people have said that, and they tried to say he was like a the Brian Pillman. Um, there's bits right, there, yeah, that's but, what I always said too. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched AEW for a while. I'm going to catch it this week. I haven't watched AEW for a long time. I feel that way. I, I don't think I've watched a show this year. Um, I might give really? it a ch- Yeah, I, I, it's just Marco's stunt. Like he pop- the first time I watched AEW, I thought it was the first show they'd done that. Um, was it Double O Nothing? Uh, was the first pay-per-view they'd done? Um, I might uh, be wrong. It might have been, yeah. And they had the uh, pre-show battle royal, and I saw Michael Stunt do the uh, Fortnite dance. As soon as I saw him, oh, God. I I changed the channel. I'm like, there's no way yeah. I'm watching this show. And uh, I, you know, I'm thinking, well, Kenny Omega's in there, and I love, and I like New Japan, so I'm like, well, Kenny's there, and I'm thinking, but I hate the Young Bucks. I think they're the most overrated tag team in history. Um, yeah. So. I, I'm, I try to watch it. I'm like, well, it's got Jericho. I like Ambrose. Uh, you, you know, I'm trying to <laughs> ration with myself. This guy's there, I actually like. But the other 90% of the roster, I don't like. So um, uh, it's, a, yeah. it's an internal struggle. Now, this week, I know they've got, like, um, a tag team celebration. Like, I know it's probably been over your side on TV already, but we don't get it till, like, Friday. So, um I'll, I'll, I'll try and, no it's on tonight actually isn't it uh, so I'll probably tune in I might tune in Friday and give it a chance because I will always give a show a chance but yeah um, we'll have to see uh, but yeah the uh, Moxley and the Piper you can't yeah you can kind of see it um, so uh, yeah I probably will agree with that especially in the Piper match later just like just the mannerisms the, yeah. the facial expressions the the way they move their hands very, very similar, and in the promo too. I, th- I think that's what Moxley's trying to be, but yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I think Roddy Piper hit it out of the park uh, a long time ago. Yeah, but man, we have a barn burner coming up next. Oh yeah, Chris Bro, uh, that WrestleMania nine lead up between him and Doink. So Chris became Kona Chris, like he's from Hawaii, and he would be like. Doink, yeah. And the thing was, this is when Doink was like a heel and he's making kids cry. And he'd be like, Doink, brah, you're making kids cry, brah. <laughs> like, we get it. You're Hawaiian. <laughs> so every time I see Chris, I... it's like, Chris, brah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had no idea. I thought he was just the, the white guy. But then I heard him do a promo on Raw and he's like, like you're saying, well, what's up, brah? You got a yeah. problem, brother? Like, where the <laughs> fuck is this guy from? Yeah. So uh, I, I love Chris. Uh, he's, he's a guilty pleasure of mine because he, he was I no love Cr- Nobody has ever said that sentence before, ever. I <laughs> yeah. love Crush. Oh, I love Chris. He's a guilty pleasure of mine. The, the hair, everything. I, I liked him in Demolition. I love Kona Crush. And uh, I, I didn't care too much for this Crush. Uh, then we had Nation Crush. We had Disciples of the Apocalypse Crush. Then he went to N- WCW, became NWO Brian Adams. Then it was Chronic Brian Adams. He is the man of a thousand gimmicks. <laughs> we have a Crush historian over here. Man. Uh, Crush, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever need any 
any crush facts, any Brian Adams facts, I will sure surely go to you first. You <laughs> <laughs> clearly know everything there is to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I don't know. Just a lot of island boys in this match. Yeah. Uh, you have Yokozuna and uh Crush versus the Head Shrinkers. Uh Fatu and Samu, I believe is what their names are. That's, that's it, yeah. Uh, one of them one of them's Rikishi and then there's the other one. That's it. Um <laughs> for the uh the tag team championships, the Head Shrinkers are the champs at this point. Uh it was a funny little spot at the beginning where uh the Head Shrinkers get Irish whipped into each other. They like butt heads and they just start trading right hands just showing <laughs> how barbaric they are. <laughs> never headbutt Samoan. That's unwritten rule in the wrestling. Never headbutt a Samoan. And there's just too many Samoans in this match. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yoko is because WrestleMania was like what, two or three months before this. And yeah. It's crazy how much, how much bigger he's gotten just in those few months. Yeah. And how WrestleMania. much he- and like how fast he went into the mid card as well. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, every time he he hit the ropes, you could hear the ring, like the the bolts and nuts, like screaming, <laughs> yeah. trying to stay together. But uh, then uh, Lex Luger comes out, and uh, uh, Donovan said, "Who's the guy in the USA flag?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, just uh, our top star that we're pushing to the moon right now. No big deal. Yeah, the good. Uh, I love the spandex. The spandex was pretty groovy. What he was wearing. <laughs> groovy is one word for it. You are, <laughs> I guess, correct. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Luger comes out as you said, because him and Crush have a beef because uh, Crush actually cost him uh, an opportunity at the the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, so Crush is dis- Crush is distracted. Uh, he turns around to a double super kick from the Head Shrinkers for the win. They retain the titles here. Um, yeah, man, that's pretty much all I got on that one. What about you? Same, uh, just straightforward match. Um, you know, none of the guys in the ring was. Uh, they they always said to me like Yoko was so fast for a big guy. I suppose he was, but it doesn't mean fact he was actually that great in the ring. Uh, Fatu was <laughs> for okay. a six hundred pounder, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, and um, Luga. As much as I love Lex Luger, he, he wasn't exactly, you know, a Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. So um, you can know what you do. And uh, no. Crush Bra was just Crush. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the name of this episode. Crush Bra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that was pretty much just a buffer to yeah. kind of create some separation between the tournament matches. Um, so, because after, after that, we have the finals Owen Hart. Versus Razor Ramon. Um, this match actually felt like, you know, as these guys were coming out, it felt like a big deal because yeah. you know, Owen and Razor, I mean, I, like I said this before, but these guys were the diamonds in the rough as yeah. far as what their roster was because you have a lot of silly shit going on. You have clowns and garbage men running around, but then you have guys like Owen and Razor who are bona fide stars. Uh, really likable characters, or not likable, but uh, you can kind of associate with them. Yeah. Um, and really good in the ring, too, especially Owen. So um, this match is pretty short, especially for the finals of a tournament. I guess these guys have both have had two matches earlier in the night, so I guess they can only go uh, at such a pace. Um, but yeah, they're probably the best, maybe other than the Owen kid match, the best match of the tournament. Uh, towards the end, Anvil comes back out because um, Razor's 
on the floor on the outside. So Anvil comes out like he's going to help Razor, uh, picks him up, but then hits him with a clothesline and throws him back in the ring. Owen hits him with an elbow from the top rope. One, two, three. You're 1994 King of the Ring, Owen Hart. Uh, man. Yeah, I guess this it sets up a story really well with uh, kind of how, how Owen beat Brett at WrestleMania. Uh, Brett's still the champion, even though he lost. Um, but now Owen has a claim to uh, to at least challenge Brett for that title. I guess that's what they're trying to trying to do here. I'm not sure where exactly the storyline goes from this point, but that seems like what they're setting up. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you knew, like the year before, and uh, Bret Hart won the 93 King of the Ring as well. Right. So Owen was like on yep. a mission, what Bret can do, I can do better sort of thing. And uh, that's exactly what it's leading up to. It's all leading up to SummerSlam. And uh, this was Owen Hart. Like this was uh, Owen Hart's night. He was star of the show tonight. Uh, put on, the, you know, um, good match with Tatanka, a really great match with uh, Kid, and uh, you know another nice match with Razor, and uh, we'll see his coronation later on, where he's just hilarious. So yeah, uh, really enjoyed it to be honest. This was definitely Owen's night. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I love the coronation, even though it was cheesy, but it kind of fit it the era. Well. <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's really kind of why I wanted because I kind of started because this is an era that I've never seen before, and I wanted to start at WrestleMania ten. Because yeah. I know how Owen is such a, a crucial part to the storylines and to the main storylines. And I know that's really when he gets his chance to shine in the main event. So literally Owen is why I'm watching all these shows. And I'm yeah. very, uh, I'm not disappointed at all no. so far. <laughs> but speaking of disappointment, we're at our main event. Oh, Roddy yeah. Piper versus Jerry the King Lawler. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the backstory to this match is Jerry Lawler has the King's Court, which is like an interview segment on Raw. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, hey, remember Piper's Pit? That was worse than my segment. And now we have this match. Am I missing anything? That's about it. Yeah, uh, Piper, like, uh, during the late 90s and, uh, well, not, sorry, the late 80s and the early 90s, he had the... Piper's Pit, which had like uh, many famous like segments with Superfly and that, and uh, Lawler had the uh, uh-huh. King's Court, which he had a few good moments on it as well. But um, yeah, just started over that, and um, there was the story uh, earlier the night that uh, Piper was going to donate all his winnings to the like a children's charity in Canada. And uh, Lawler right. was like, I'm going to make sure that guy doesn't ring, and I'm going to take all the money. And he was just like a proper cartoon villain. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he's like, he's literally in there wearing a crown, telling everybody that he's to, to fuck those sick kids in Canada. I'm gonna take all the money and bring it to my kingdom or whatever he said. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's 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 entertaining for what it is. Uh, the match was uh, I don't know what else you could say about it. Um, it was a Piper versus Jerry Lawler match in the mid '90s. So uh, Piper ends up getting the win. Um, I think he kind of disappears after this uh what did you think about it yeah it wasn't great i mean i love pipe and i love uh, lawler uh i've always preferred lawler as a commentator which i think that's how you remember him the most as well like on commentary and oh yeah and randomly shouting puppies <laughs> so um 
Uh, you, you won't get that these days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, even though we're all dreaming of that Mandy Rose for Alexa Bliss Brown Fandy's match one day. <laughs> um, Dude, yeah, he, when he, they brought him back to commentary recently, you can like hear him. He's like trying to restrain himself yeah. from talking about all the women and their puppies. It's hilarious. <laughs> It was like he was on day's release <laughs> from prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's how we uh, remember <laughs> Uncle Jerry, I suppose. But um, yeah, um, like I know like all his main, like his prime was in Memphis. And like I've watched some of his stuff and, you know, he was really good. Uh, but this was past it. I, he had like a, he had a pretty good feud with uh, Brett during his time. Um, but yeah, mm. but. Piper, like I love Roddy Piper, but this was like past his prime as well. So, uh, uh, you know, these during this time, these two was a lot better off, you know, on the commentary table. But um, not a great match, but uh, but like the segments leading up to it, and you've been watching the Raws as well, I suppose. And so they they was mm-hmm. like entertaining, but yeah, unfortunately, the match itself didn't deliver, and uh, it, this shouldn't have main evented. I mean, um, I suppose. The main event should have been like uh, Owen and Razor, I suppose. But I, I, I had no idea why they decided to have this as the main event, especially like when they've been promoting it to like the new generation era and you've got these two old timers uh, main eventing. Well, I think I could tell you why. I, I bet their mentality was hey, this show is called King of the Ring. <laughs> yeah. So we should close it with The King. I, th- I think that's literally <laughs> all there is to it, if I had to guess. I suppose, but Owen did become the king of arts, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Better than the Rocket, I will say. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> kind of a goofy nickname, but yeah. So Piper wins. I guess it's supposed to be a feel-good moment, whatever it is, but I think he kind of uh, trails off after this. I know he has a, a bit of a run in WCW a few <laughs> years later, um, having some classic matches with Hogan. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that pretty much concludes the show there. So, um, King of the Ring '94. If you had to give it a rating out of ten, what would you give it? Um, it wasn't that bad of a show, to be honest. I'm when you first messaged me and uh, when you said King of the Ring, I thought, please tell me it's not King of the Ring '95. <laughs> I don't know if you is that where Mabel you- won. Yeah, you, I'm not looking forward to reviewing that one day. Um, <laughs> so, you should have uh, told me that. I'm writing that down right now. When I, Once I get to that pay-per-view, I'm calling you up. Oh, sure. that one too. I haven't watched it for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, King it's always of- fun to review a car crash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, King Ring Night 4, it wasn't a bad show, to be honest. Uh, there was actually a few inst- there, there was a few dud matches, obviously, like Mabel, IRS, uh, IRS and Razor, mainly IRS. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but then you had like one, two, three kid having a good match with Jarrett, uh, Owen Hart having three good matches for the night. And obviously match of the night, which was Owen and, um, one, two, three kid. And you had a good match between, uh, Brett and Ray, uh, Brett and Diesel. Sorry. So I would probably give it, uh, I'll probably, um, between six and a half and a seven. I'll probably give it a seven because I think it was better than average. I feel like uh, Crush being on, on the show, I think he just added two points just because of Crush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would Yeah, I'd probably, I guess when you look at the show overall, it, it kind of tied, it flowed pretty well. And um, I mean, it's a tournament style show. 
So I guess yeah. you can't really expect more than that. And there wasn't, you know, too much storyline because like I said, it's, it's a tournament. It's an easy narrative to follow. Um, don't really need much beyond that, uh, beyond, you know, the, the world title match and then the main event. So yeah, I guess five or six is probably what I'd get it, give it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, an entertaining watch, whether, you know, the good, the bad, uh, Art Donovan, I think alone is a reason to go back and watch this show again. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't in a while, he was, um, uh, he was hilarious. I, I've like, uh, as I was writing down, like how much is he weigh? To, at a point, I thought I'm just gonna have to stop because he just said it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, yeah, he's like, because uh, Mabel comes out with Oscar, who I guess is his manager, and he's like, "Who's yeah. the guy in the white suit?" That's right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> can't can't do this all night, Art. Um, but yeah, so I think that about covers it. Um, do you have anything else to add on this show? Um, yeah, um, yeah, um, I didn't think it was a bad show, and, uh, like, if you're a fan, uh, if you're a fan of Owen Hart, then this is a go-to show, because, um, put on three really good matches, and, uh, it was just Owen being, he's like, you know, <laughs> just his cocky best, just being, like, this irritating little person, and, like, he actually became the big figure at the end, and he was just, couldn't help but love, uh, bragging about it, and <laughs> it was just, he, he was like, he was like a cartoon villain himself. So if you're Owen Hart fan, yeah. then this is a show I would definitely recommend. Especially, and if you just had to watch one match like from the show, then definitely watch the Owen and One Two Three Good match because it was just it's probably the best five minute match you probably ever see. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Owen, this is definitely the Owen Owen Hart show, and that is not a bad thing at all. No. So yeah, man. Uh, I think that about covers it. Uh, thank you for once again for joining me on this. Um, I know you have a podcast yourself as well. Uh, that nineties is it that nineties po- that nineties podcast or that nineties wrestling podcast? Yeah, it's uh, that nineties wrestling podcast. I'm kind of debating rather, rather to change the name because, like, my original concept was just reviewing like uh, pay per views from the nineties. Uh, that's going to be uh-huh. on a little bit at the back. We've uh, we've reviewed quite a few shows up now, but that's going to be on the back burner for the time being because I've just. Like we've just had so many like interviews come in, um, and uh, at the same time we've just started to make like top twenty five, like top twenty five AEW themes, which my co host on that. Obviously, I didn't do that because I don't watch the show, uh, but I enjoyed the yeah. music. <laughs> um, but yeah. so we're making countdown. Like we're, we're available on podcast form, like on Spotify, Podbean, and uh, all them. Uh, yeah, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor, and all them good ones. Uh, but we've now started to focus a little bit more on the YouTube channel. Uh, so we're still putting content on the podcast, but the YouTube channel's kind of taking precedent now. And because uh, the interviews has come in, I'm debating rather to change the name while I'm still early in. But at the same time, that 90s wrestling podcast has got a nice little ring to it as well. Um, yeah. So- it's good, and uh, I mean, if anyone, like, if your listeners wants to head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe, it means a lot. We Sometimes we have uh, giveaways, um, like uh, a few weeks back we gave away uh, a Fiend uh, Funko Pop with, to one of all the people to win it. It was actually, like, his AW diehard, and I'm like, why couldn't I have picked, like, someone else by random? <laughs> so yeah. uh, he won it, and... Uh, I've, I've, I still haven't done the draw for the Bullet Club t-shirt, so I need to get that draw and announce the winner on my next video. So we have giveaways like once in a while, just to you know, just to say a thank you to everyone. And uh, 
but we've got quite a few interviews coming. So um, it's kind of like the focus of the show's kind of changed a bit, but we'll probably still get back to reviewing old school pay-per-views because we do enjoy it. But um, yeah, the pay, uh, having the opportunity to actually interview these stars growing up, uh, it's been a big deal. And uh, like we've still got loads we've recorded, what we haven't even released yet or edited. So we need to get around to doing them as well. And uh, the fact that I started working yeah. agreement with Impact Wrestling, that's been a big get for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All the guys that you've uh, just reached out to and we're uh, willing to interview with you and definitely got a good following going, which is good to see. Um, and I'll put all your uh, social media and all your YouTube stuff. I'll put that in the, the description oh, thank of you. this podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, give James a follow. Uh, definitely a, a good channel, good podcast, um, a, lot, a lot of different variety um, in his podcast. Uh, Liverpool fan. I don't know if that makes a difference to you guys. Yeah, uh, I had a buddy who was a big Liverpool fan, and I I know that can get kind of contentious. Yeah, well, we've just won the uh, league title for the first time in thirty years, so it was a pretty big deal for us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, like I said, I put all of James's information in the description of my podcast. Um, other than that, man, thank you for joining me. Cool. Cheers, mate. Once again, thank you to James from that 90s wrestling podcast for joining me on this episode i had a lot of fun talking shit with him about this show and man there was a lot of stuff <laughs> to make fun of i hope we kept it uh i hope we kept the trains on the tracks on that one but who knows maybe we didn't um <laughs> anyways uh thank you guys once again for listening feel free to Visit my website, apronbump.com, for all my episodes, all my social media, and quick links to anywhere where you want to feel my buttery voice across your ear canal. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, subscribe for uh, future mid-90s wrestling content. We got WCW slamboree 1994 coming up soon i believe that's the last pay-per-view before hogan so we're really revving up here for the monday night wars not you know for a few years does that really kick in but man oh man are we building towards it and uh obviously subscribe for that subscribe for current wrestling modern alternatives 2000s alternatives all that shit that you love from your boy hardest part of the ring so thank you guys for listening stay safe i'm hard